Ho, ho, ho. Okay. The last show of the season. So hang on. We've got something very thought-provoking and, of course, something great from Andrew Ettinger. And so here we go. This is Dolly Parton representing the Salvation Army. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This year, I've teamed up with the Salvation Army to love beyond the holidays. Now, when you drop a dollar in that red kettle, you can make a difference for the families who are struggling to put food on the table and for the single parent who can't make rent this month. Show your neighbors in need love beyond the holidays by finding a red kettle or giving online at SalvationArmyUSA.org. And there you go. That was the lead-in to the halftime show at the Thanksgiving Day game with the Cowboys. Um, The Packers played the Lions on Thanksgiving and won. (laughs) What do you know? Anyway, um, so let's look around for the rest of the news. Here we go. Ding, ding. Well, we've got another one coming up from... uh, Oops, we didn't set that up yet. Okay. Let's just go to Brian, and let's also talk about my article from the other day. I posted it yesterday, but first let's talk about Brian Romelli. Romelli, I think it is. Uh, He's one of the real, for me, he's an expert in AI, and he's got a program that doesn't have to access the Internet. So uh, you can kind of tell what it's going what what it's doing and it's more repeatable and i think that gives him an advantage in understanding what ai is doing um so what what this article is about fascinating is the we'll call it the benefit of ai hallucination and it gets at some of the heart of the real issues here um like a misinformed parent of an exceptionally brilliant savant child, AI scientists are embarrassed by hallucinations of large language models, LLMS. Of course, they want the facts. However, they have not studied even the most educated and factual humans. What do humans do? They fabricate some light facts and fill in with statistically appropriate words to, I love that, statistically appropriate words, statistically appropriate words to bolster the non-fabricated facts. Okay. Studies show that humans are like this. That's my favorite expression, of course. This is how humans work. As they are not Memorex tape recordings, but they basically tell stories. We all tell stories, and we sprinkle in a few facts to make it sound credible, and we make up the rest. And we do it all the time. And I do it all the time. And you know I tell story after story when I get on here, right? Every day a story. If we don't have a story, then we don't feel good about it. And you shouldn't either, right? So anyone that spent time with multiple witnesses recalling an event... Or the Bible and the Gospels, right? Today's Gospel reading was Matthew, and he was talking about how Jesus, Mary, and Joseph went down to Egypt to escape the the purge of Herod. And, um, you know, your arms are too short to box with God, Herod. You don't just, you can't just, 
think you can just go kill all the babies and that's going to somehow stop God, right? It doesn't work like that. No, it's sad. But what's so interesting to me is that Matthew then adds, when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph come back, he says, out of Egypt I've called my son, which no one would have thought was a prophecy of the Messiah. We all would have thought, if you read it in context, that it was talking about how God brought the nation of Israel and the Tagalongs, if you watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, uh, the Tagalongs and the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Everyone would have thought that was a historical expression. Nevertheless, Matthew says it was a fulfillment of prophecy when Jesus went to Egypt and came home. Fascinating. Right, So if you read the three synoptic Gospels, and if you read the Gospel of John, of course, they don't line up hardly at all. I mean, they do some, but there's only like the feeding of the 5,000 is like the only miracle that's repeated in, in all of them. Amazing, right? Um, so the only hope for us, when you interview witnesses, you only hope for a single alignment of a fact. You know, is there one thing that they can all corroborate that we might be able to use as proof of establishing motive or establishing location or something. Thus, the very foundation of why LLMs are useful is that they hallucinate. In fact, that's the claim. Yesterday, we were talking about, about Microsoft defending copyright claims. Basically, they're saying our AI hallucinates enough that you won't be cited for copyright violations, right? I don't know. Have you ever picked, just asked Google for a picture and then said, well, in order not to get in trouble, I'll, I'll mirror image this and maybe I'll stretch it or, or something. And away you go, right? Um, right? So the point of large language models is that we'll tweak them a little bit and make it sound like a new, a new piece of content, which is, I think, why the direct mail Articles are getting worse and worse and worse. They all sound like the same article, which is what is going to happen. Unless you watch this show, when you, you'll obviously get different stuff because it's coming out of my confused brain. Um, and when you use an editorial style, um, like the New York Times isn't just, or the Washington Post isn't just the news. It's actually the synthesis and the editorial about what the facts mean, which gives large language models even better, an even better style to copy. They see that and they say, well, I'm going to write like this. I'll make up facts just like the Washington Post. <laughs> and Brian has uncovered that. It's a fascinating read. I highly recommend it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because my thing just beeped at me. Uh, the New York Times, here's an, a New York Times where he fabricates the articles. He, he pretends that it's from 2019 and all these news stories, is my, in my opinion, I guess, are made up. And here's his prompts that he gives us. Fascinating stuff. But his AI was turned off. It was not on the, it was not on the internet to go and get actual facts, making them all up. Okay, then next, I want to go back to the, uh, I want to go back to the, to the, oops, to the internet, um, and show you, 
Andrew Ettinger. Let's get this lined up. I adjusted something, and so now it doesn't work. Okay, there he is. Okay, and he's talking about when he was first getting into direct mail and postcards. So let's give this a, a go. Let's see if it works. we got to turn on the sound. Here we go. Here goes Andrew. Business, and we're, we're talking like 15 years back, an old associate of mine went into a gym owner, and he says to the person, listen, we should mail out these 50,000 postcards. And the guy says, well, they don't work. And Dave said to him, well, I'll tell you what, you let me make the offer, and then we'll find out if it works. If it doesn't work, the postcards are free. I said, okay, make up the offer. He wrote on the postcard, free membership. I gave it back to the guy. You know, free one-year membership. The guy's like, I can't give away a year membership. 50,000 people are going to come in and ask for a free membership. And he's like, but I thought nobody looks at him, right? You want to play devil's advocate on both sides. I get it. But it just proves how effective an offer can be. That it can go from someone thinking that nobody's going to look at it to someone being worried that everybody's going to look at it. Hey, how about that, Andrew? Isn't that great? He does these great little videos. They're hard to replicate here, though. Okay, so there you go from Best Postcards. And there's a little article about it. So let's try and get over to that. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, we were going to go to this one. Sorry, I opened the wrong one. And here's Andrew's, here's Andrew's article. We get it. Postcards sound prehistoric. We've heard it all. It's junk mail. No, it looks like it looks. No one looks at it, at them. It's a waste of money. Trust us. People do look at them, and they yield an impressive return on investment. We have the data to prove it. Let's talk about it. Digital marketing is a huge industry. You've got SEO, pay-per-click, email marketing, social media, uh, po podcasts, etc. Obviously, we believe in these channels. I mean, we're literally using social media right now, but it's noisy. We're bombarded with ads and influencers daily. It can be a bit overwhelming. We can see consume so much media that it only that that only makes it that much harder to become memorable brand online. With postcards, there's less competition, there's no algorithm to fight against, you're guaranteed to make an impression. Take it from the brands like Chewy, Allstate, Planet Fitness, etc. They all understand the power of direct mail, right? And there's a lot more than that too, right? Absolutely. Okay, and so now let's just look at this one. I posted this yesterday. Why is direct mail junk? And of course, the reason is mostly that for literally 100 years or more, more than 100 years, people mailed direct mail and they most of it gets thrown away, right? Now, it wasn't until direct until digital media that we really learned the power of direct mail, right? Because digital takes credit for impressions, right? Are you impressed with those little <laughs> those letters below me? Maybe not. WDMA and NMOA, both of them have LinkedIn groups that I moderate uh, both. And, um, you know, we've got the join the digital resistance down below that. Did you register that? Did you notice that before we before I mentioned it? Probably not. Right. So what about junk mail? Well, part of the reason it's junk is because, you know, at my household, we get 
we get Chadwick's of Boston and we get a Cabela's or we get a Bass Pro Shops these days. My wife thinks the Bass Pro Shops is junk. I think the Chadwick's of Boston is junk. Now, Land's End has a male and a female edition, and they seem to be getting it now. They seem to be mailing my office with the male edition, and the female edition goes to my wife, which is just ducky. They didn't used to be able to do that. I tried to get Land's End to mail my daughter separately, and they, in our household, and they, and they didn't have the capacity to have multiple decision makers in the same household. So, for the most part, the mail comes to our house, and one of us, one of you know, the two of us would think it's junk almost inevitably, especially if it's personalized. You see, to the extent that you personalize it, it's more likely to be junk to other people in the household. You ever think about that? The personalization works for you and against you at the same time. Okay, so that is inherent in junk mail, right? Because it can't dynamically change as it arrives at your door. <laughs> nope. Nope, it can't, okay? It's printed. That's one of those de de uh, detrimental features people mention. So, inherently, in a fixed media, you're going to have some people like it and some people not. And it could be that your own circumstance, right? So, you get, you get postcards or mailers from the local car dealership. Uh, talking about the wonderful new automobiles on the market, you don't care because you got a car, right? But all of a sudden the check engine light comes on and now you start thinking about cars. So maybe that makes a difference if that's the way you buy cars. It's not the way I buy cars, but that's okay. Uh, at least it becomes more relevant. It triggers an idea that, hmm, maybe I should be looking for a car no matter how I do it. So there is engagement even though... There wasn't maybe the day before. You see that? So not only does your household matter and the personalization, and the higher the personalization, the less it matters. So when Land's End sends the female edition, I don't like it. I think it's junk. When they send the male edition, I like it. I don't think it's junk. Same merchant, more personalized. When they used to send a, an entire catalog, then I didn't think it was junk. So by personalization, they've increased the level of junk. Half the catalogs or something like that now are junk to me, not to my wife. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, this is inherent in fixed media. Okay, what also is inherent? That you don't know my circumstance. No matter how much data you think you got, you don't know what I'm going to want next because you know what? The check engine light wasn't on and I didn't want a car. Not yesterday. Today, maybe I do. And that's the way my life is. You know, you can plan your purchases all you want, but if the furnace goes out, those plans are going to change because you're going to all of a sudden be out five or $10,000. And so you may not go out to dinner for that month or something, right? You don't know that. You can't know it because I don't know it about myself, okay? And my own circumstances make your mail junk mail. Understand? right? Because it's a fixed medium. However, now let's compare it to digital, right? Where we supposedly have all that dynamics. They still don't know any of this stuff, right? They still can't really do it. And to the extent that they try to personalize, and a lot of times they don't try to personalize. So I get a lot of, I see a lot of ads that are not my race, not my gender, not my age, 
right? And they're trying to do that to move the DEI or whatever that is. They're trying to, to, to emphasize social justice that I will resonate with, but I don't resonate with those, those images of people, see? So they have another mission that clouds the, the issue and makes it junk, makes it ignorable which is what I try to do to most ads, okay? So, but what about fixed media? Well, it's also physical, it's also tangible, right? So we start by knowing who it's going to. We're very careful about that because it's expensive. It's more expensive than a digital commercial, right? We also know it gets delivered because the post office is very good about delivering the mail. They may not do it quickly, but we know it gets there, okay? Third thing, we know that it goes to a decision maker because not everybody's allowed to go to get the mail. My kids never were. And mainly my wife decides what we're going to keep and what we're not. She sorts the mail. Okay, so she's a decision maker. I'm, of course, a decision maker too, but mostly she sorts the mail. And finally, she has to make a decision. That sorting process is a decision. Right? She may not buy, but you know that she's engaged. And because she know you know she's engaged, you know it gets delivered, you know who, who you sent it to. We know who engaged and bought, but we also know who engaged and did not buy. And that is magic. And no other media has that because every other media throws itself away. Direct mail does not throw itself away. That's enough for today. I hope you enjoy this. Like, repost. 2023, my best year ever. Looking forward to 2024. I hope you'll, I hope you'll join me for many interesting sessions. Genuine, guaranteed, not AI generated. Bye-bye. Happy New Year.